Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live of the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. Um, today, uh, our theme is cheesy Kickstarters. Uh, we're going to be talking with a couple folks who have launched uh, successful Kickstarter campaigns and uh, talk about what makes them what makes them successful. Um, our first guest is Rin Caputo, who is the founder and owner of Caputo Brothers Creamery in Pennsylvania. Rin, thanks for being with us. Yes, thanks for having me again. <laughs> no problem. It's good to have you back. Um, yes. So, so Caputo Brothers launched a, a Kickstarter. Um, I think this was uh, back in uh, the fall of 2013. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what motivated you guys to uh, to start a Kickstarter campaign? Absolutely. So we um, did it primarily because we had kind of been nudged that way. Nearly everybody we talked to said something like, you guys should do a Kickstarter or you guys should go on Shark Tank. I swear we we had a dollar for every time someone said that to us. And as we started to do our our planning for the 2014 year and just kind of looking at the business and and what we wanted to do, um, we wanted to get some efficiencies around shipping. So right now we do all of the distribution ourselves um, by driving literally um, nearly every ounce of curd that we sell somewhere. Um, and we've partnered with, you know, distributors like Saxelby, which is fantastic. Um, but, you know, Monday I was in Memphis and Nashville delivering cheese. Um, and so we just wanted the ability to be able to ship our cheese anywhere um, in the country just to make our lives easier and to to give people more access to the cheese. And so we came up with this idea of, you know, what had kind of kept us from doing it in the past was not really having a good, efficient way to do it, not really kind of going through the process of saying, okay, we need a home for this and we need to, you know, build a business around this model. And so we had a a little milk house on the property um, that, our, our farm used to be a working dairy, and so we said, well, that's kind of the perfect place. The driveway goes right in front of it, and that would make it easier for distribution. And we, we went through and looked at what it would cost for us to put that together, and unfortunately that was more than, you know, what we had. And we said, well, let's let's t- take this Kickstarter idea. And we did some research around it and tried to prepare ourselves the best we could to, you know, run it successfully and and it was can, a little scary, I'm not going to lie, but it was great. It was great. 
And can I ask you, what kind of preparation did you do? Because I feel like that's like the key. You know, if you're going to launch one of these things, there are kind of some, it seems like some tried and true things that you have to achieve. So what are, what are some of the things that you guys did to prepare and try to make your campaign successful? Well, the first thing we did is we researched the different crowdfunding platforms. So there's Kickstarter, there's Indiegogo. Um, I think those are probably the two of the largest. But we, you know, we had had, we'd known some people who had done both, and we asked a lot of questions and looked at the different rules around them. And I have to say they're really great, um, particularly Kickstarter, about having what they call Kickstarter school. So it puts you through a little online course of here are the things that, you know, we have seen have made successful projects. And um, we also went through the process of, of looking at successful projects. So watching them, seeing, you know, how did the rewards work well and what did they say in their video. And, um, you know, we knew that there were some keys to success, like videos, like, you know, good rewards and that type of thing. And then we made a commitment. So we said if we knew that we didn't have the ability to manage the project ourselves with as, as much you know, attention as it needed. So we, we actually, um, the girl who handles a lot of our marketing and that type of thing, branding, um, we brought her into the fold and that way she could make sure that, you know, she kept it in front of people and kept the momentum going. That's great. That's great. And so, um, you guys, what was your, um, if I can ask, what was your goal and, and what was the time frame that you guys had to, to complete it? And, and when were you, um, successfully funded? So uh, we, our goal was uh, twenty-eight thousand five hundred, and we um, set the goal for thirty days, and we raised twenty-eight thousand nine hundred and ninety-one dollars. So Congrats! Four hundred and ninety-one dollars. Yes, um, and we literally made our goal like. 48 minutes left to go, which they kind of try to prepare you for. They're like, you know, you're going to see a lot of momentum in the beginning, a lull in between, and a lot of momentum at the end. Um, And they were absolutely right. The first couple of days, we were just so excited. And we were like, oh, we're going to achieve our goal in our first few days. And then there was a major lull. And then all of a sudden, the last two days, it was just like every few minutes we were getting another pledge and um, or somebody was increasing their pledge. And it was it was really exciting. That is really, really cool. I mean, nerve wracking, too. I didn't yeah. I, I've, I had heard yeah. the part about like the beginning is kind of the most important because, you know, you, when it's fresh, you know, and then people really respond. But um, yeah, I, the end, that makes sense, too, that when you put the word out to be like, hey, guys, you know, we're almost there. Help us out. Right. Um, right. So how did you um, how did you get the word out? Was it mainly through social media or what were the different ways that you uh, communicated to everybody? Certainly social media was key. Um, and we we also have a, a newsletter um, that that our customers subscribe to. So we would send out updates through the newsletter as well. Um, so we saw that we got quite a bit through that. Um, I think we overestimated. We decided to go with Kickstarter because we felt like they had the strongest brand presence, and we just had assumed that there were a ton of people out there who just got on Kickstarter every day and said, oh, here's a new project I want to pledge to. Um, and that, at least in our experience, was not the case. Uh, I think we, we put a, a lot of value in that, and that probably was not not as important. Um, I think, you know, in hindsight, we could have just as easily gone with Indiegogo um, because the bulk of our backers, over 95%, came from one of our touch points or 
you know, one of our customers who was then spreading the word for us. So, yeah, I mean, certainly social media, I would say, was the biggest player in that. And, you know, as a French benefit, we actually saw a huge uptick in the number of Facebook followers we had, in the number of, of Twitter followers we had, Instagram, just because we were really just so focused on it. We, we were actually, you know, as a nice fringe benefit, getting a lot more followers. So it was great. That's awesome. So any future endeavor or when your shipping's up and running, you know, then you've got a whole exactly. larger customer base to, to broadcast exactly. to. Um, exactly. And so how's it going? Where, um, how, what's the progress, you know, from, from then to now? Have you guys started uh, uh, taking some steps to, to put this plan into place? Well, if Mother Nature would ever leave us alone, we'd be a lot further. <laughs> but my goodness, it's been a tough winter. So um, we completed the last week in November. Uh, November 26th was the, the day we were successfully funded. And so the first thing we did was start working on our rewards. So, you know, just getting all of that ordered. And you have to send surveys out to get people's T-shirt sizes and find out the preferences and when they want to come to dinners and that type of thing. Um, so there's a whole logistics part that I think we certainly underestimated as far as the reward fulfillment. Um, so, you know, one thing I would encourage other folks who are going to do this is to give yourself some time to get those rewards out um, so that you can make sure that you meet those deadlines. And so we've been working on that. In the meantime, so just getting the rewards out, I think we're about halfway through um, getting all of our rewards sent out, and we have till March we had given ourselves to get all of those out. Um, and then as far as the actual project goes, um, so we just, um, Monday we'll be um, getting the freezer um, so we we do a, a frozen fermented curd um, so we're, we're literally going 10 times the size of freezer capacity that we had before um, and so yes it's very exciting and so that was kind of the first piece um, is actually getting that in place um, and so we're, we're just having to wait Today is helping to get the ground thawed a little bit so that we can get the excavation work done and the new pad poured for that. Um, and then, yeah, so as soon as the weather kind of hits here, we've got everything in place for them to come in, do the renovations they need to on the milk house. Um, and uh, in the meantime, we set up a, a, a temporary distribution facility um, so we could get all of the rewards out. One of the nice things you can do, and that was one of the things we, we tried to do, and I think in hindsight, would do more of, if you can tie those rewards to actually what you're trying to accomplish to get yourself in the practice of already doing it. So, for instance, for us, we wanted to be able to ship to anywhere. So part of our rewards was that people would get our curd. So it's good practice for us. We've actually learned a tremendous amount just actually shipping out the curd. Um, even just out of our temporary facilities. So, you know, that's one of the things I would recommend you try to do is tie it to something meaningful in the, in the project success because then you just put yourself in better shape for, for the actual overall success. That totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Well, and shipping is a tricky thing because you make the product and it's perfect at your facility. And yes. then the minute it leaves, you know, it's in, it's at the mercy of the elements and FedEx and, a whole other host of things. So um, that is very, very smart. Um, well, and, and, and to that point, Anne, I would say, if, you know, one of the lessons that we learned is we did it right before the holidays. 
Um, and I think if we had to do it all over again, we would wait and, uh, you know, until after that was done because it was just too crazy with all of the shipping issues that FedEx and UPS had this year. I think it would be, you know, a lesson learned would be not to do it right around that holiday period made it tough. That, that makes a lot of sense too. Well, and people's attentions are kind of diverted towards, you know, oh, I've got to get gifts. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. So people might even be thinking differently about their money at that time of the year than they would at other times of the year. Um, Exactly. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to explain um, your uh, Kickstarter journey to us. And I'm really (laughs) excited that uh, it was such a huge success. And, uh, for everybody out there, you know, Caputo Brothers Creamery, you can check out their website at caputobrotherscreamery.com. And as soon as that curd is available, um, you should grab some. Um, and I guess in the meantime, if you need some, you could, you could get it from us. But uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, well, thanks so much, Rin, and have a, have, a wonderful, uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much, Ann. Thanks. Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 160 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. And we are back on Cutting the Curd. This is the Heritage Radio Network. You can tune in to Cutting the Curd and a whole host of other shows and news broadcasts at heritageradionetwork.org. Today is our cheesy Kickstarter show, and uh, our second guest is Nick Dickinson, who is the owner and founder of the Cheese Plate PDX, which is a popular Portland food cart. Thanks for being with us, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I hear we're in the, well, so we're on the East Coast over here, and I hear, you know, over on the West Coast, you're in the middle of lunch. So thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk with us, even though I'm sure you're very busy right at the moment. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, we're, we're very happy to be part of this. We appreciate you uh, asking asking me to be on the show today. Um. So tell us a little bit about uh, about your business and how uh, you decided to launch a Kickstarter campaign. All right. So our business, the Cheese Plate PDX, is a, a food cart here in Portland. It's got a cheese-focused vegetarian menu. also includes a lot of vegan items, uh, vegan cheeses. We try to specialize in Oregon cheeses and all local uh, Portland products as well that we use in our ingredients. We make things like grilled cheese sandwiches, mac and cheese, we do fun things like gnocchi and salad as well as soups. And what our project is, is we're raising $12,000 uh, to build a small cheese and specialty food shop right on the end of our cart. Uh, since we are already a cheese-focused cart, we thought this would be a fun and unique way to increase the revenue potential at our location. And uh, because people love that we use local products, sauces and cheeses and such, this would give them an opportunity to buy those items packaged up 
and then take them home and use them in their own recipes. Absolutely. So um, for, you know, um, I haven't actually had the opportunity to visit your, your food cart. So can you give us a little visual of um, where you guys are located? Is it, uh, um, do you guys move around the city? Are you in one sort of permanent location? Um, and sort of how, yeah, how does the lay of the land look uh, for the cart and then, your, and then your little shop annex that you're proposing? Yeah, definitely. We are, we are inside of the Portland. We're in a fun neighborhood it's called the Alberta Arts District real funky, eclectic neighborhood, lots of other small businesses, uh, shops, galleries, cafes, and restaurants, all on this, uh, this same street with us. Um, and the, our, our setup, the lot that we're on, we are pretty much permanently. We don't move around. We haven't moved more than once since we, since we opened on the lot, and it was just to get a better spot. Uh, we are positioned right on the sidewalk side of our lots, so right facing Alberta, which is a pretty main uh, street. And the cheese shop itself will be on that end that faces the street, so it'll be really visible. We're planning to have lots of windows to increase the visibility of the inside of the little shop itself. That's That, that sounds great. That sounds great. I was um, in Portland about a year ago, and... Um, well, I really hope I get the chance to go back soon so I can uh, I can check out your spot. Um, so you are just at the sort of beginning of your um, Kickstarter campaign. You're a little over a week in. You've already raised over half of your goal, so congrats on that. Um, yeah, thank you. We're actually, uh, the latest update, we're over 70%. Wow, congrats. Yeah. That is totally, totally awesome. So, tell us. Um, so, tell us about your your rewards, your prizes, um, and how you are advertising your campaign. All right. Um, our rewards. We try to uh, we try to really uh, make reward levels that were equal to or even greater than the, the value of the pledge that, that people make. We we're offering a lot of merchandise from the cart itself, as well as recipes that we've developed over time we've been in business. And it, and we're marketing it mostly through uh, social media. Um, my partner, Karina, handles all the uh, Facebook, Twitter accounts, things like that. She's really good at it. Uh, she's done fundraising before for nonprofits, so she, she really knows how to go after it and, and keep people... Uh, interested in what we're doing, and it's really paid off. I think that's that's why we've had so much success so early in the campaign. It was just a matter of uh, getting people on board and interested before we started the campaign, and then maintaining that level of interest. We had a lot of support from the from some of the small businesses that will be featuring their products in our shop. So that helps as well because we can reach out to their network of people followers on Facebook and Twitter and have them help promote what we're trying to do. That's really smart. I mean, um, yeah, because if it's kind of a virtuous cycle that way, um, you know, I feel like every um, small food producer, small food business has a very sort of um, tight-knit, loyal following. So the fact that you are able to tap into the resources, not only of your own social media, but other people's, it's it's really smart. (laughs) Definitely. So, um, 
And so do you have any, um, as far as the contributions go, the pledges, um, have you been surprised um, by who is uh, making pledges or, um, or different dollar amounts, or has it been kind of what you thought it would be? You know, some of them we, we definitely knew. Uh, some of our friends and family members were going to pledge and had a, had a pretty good idea of the amounts, but we've had some really outstanding pledges come through from, from people that, that have surprised us, and, and, and it's great. It's wonderful to get, uh, to get all this support. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. You know, a lot of people um, turn to Kickstarter um, as opposed to turning to more traditional um, sources of funding, you know, um, loans uh, from banks or lines of credit, things like that. Um, can you speak to why you chose Kickstarter versus those more traditional methods of uh, funding? Yeah, you know, with Kickstarter, uh, I think one of the advantages is that we were able to make this really nice, really beautiful page on Kickstarter. We got a really good video put together from from someone here in Portland uh, who's uh, photography work for some of the magazine articles that we've been featured in. Um, and it's an easy way for people to contribute. You know, they can they can see the pledges going up in real time. Uh, they can comment on them, things like that. And versus uh, traditional uh, traditional style of like getting a bank loan, for instance, it's uh, it is a much easier in, in some ways way to get the funds than a bank loan, and it gets it, it utilizes the the following that we have and the following that other small businesses that like to help us and support us have, and uh, we, we can we can raise the funds that we need without going through a bank and having the uh, bank, bank loan interest and, and whatnot added to, added to the loan that we pay off later. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a good point. Yeah, the interest uh, is definitely a, um, that's a, a, a harsh but real reality of, uh, of having a loan. And then there's also the dollar amount in and of itself. I guess, you know, for a sum of money like, like 12000 like you guys are going for, um, you know, it's almost like, you know, you yeah. If you could avoid getting a loan and just doing it through crowdsourcing, that would be, that would be great. Um, so how uh, um, how do you kind of envision um, your shop being set up? Is this going to be a place? Um, can people go into the shop and uh, and purchase things, or is it just going to kind of be like the food cart mentality where you walk up and uh, walk up to the window, kind of tell the people inside what you want and, and get your product that way? There, uh, there will be a space inside for people to come in and browse all the items that we have in the shop. Um, we, we've nicknamed it uh, Portland's Smallest Cheese and Specialty Food Shop. <laughs> um, yeah, and so inside, as, as I said, uh, there, there will be lots of windows on the outside. People passing by can see into the shop and shelves lining all the walls full of a uh, huge variety of different local products that they can purchase. So we're hoping you know, that'll, that'll give a lot of appeal to people passing by um, and people coming to the food cart for, for the food that we make in the cart as well. And so people will actually come inside the shop and there'll be a little half window so they can converse with us inside the cart where we make everything for the regular menu as well. 
and uh, we're going to have two separate displays for our cheeses, uh, all Oregon sourced uh, artisan style cheeses that we'll sell by the pound, as well as local, locally made vegan cheeses. That is uh, that sounds that sounds just great. That sounds just great. <laughs> Um, well, I wish you the best of luck. It sounds like you guys are. It sounds like you guys are going to make your goal and then some. Um, if people want to find you on Kickstarter, um, what should they search for? Probably the easiest. Uh, the easiest way to find us would be on Facebook at uh, search for the Cheese Plate PDX, and you should pop right up. We're real active. Real active on Facebook, like I said. Um, also, our website, thecheeseplatepdx.com. And uh, should be able to find us easily that way. Uh, as far as our, our Kickstarter campaign, all you would have to search for is Portland's smallest cheese and specialty food shop, <laughs> and that'll take you right to our page. I love it. I love it. Well, um, again, best of luck to you. Congrats on your already, you know, great success with your food cart. And uh, I look forward to visiting Portland's smallest cheese shop one day soon. <laughs> yeah, excellent. We look forward to having you here. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.